your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established. What are women and men that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. Our world is a strange place, isn't it? All the proof we need that this is a big, old, goofy world is that Donald Trump is a contender for the next president of the United States. That would be a great April Fool's joke. But this is October. Well, it isn't just that Donald Trump says outrageous things over and over and over. It is that he is a classic example of a person whose ego is out of control. It is all about the Donald. And that fits the definition of a narcissist, which is the topic I was given today. <laughs> Not my choice. Narcissism is an inordinate fascination with oneself. Excessive self-love. Signs of narcissism include grandiose thinking, exaggerated self-importance, a belief that one is special, a need to be admired, a feeling of entitlement. Sounds like it fits. The thing is, while Donald Trump might provide us with a great example of narcissism, the broad condition of narcissism is something that we have all, all experienced at one time or another. In fact, a normal part of growing up is transitioning from the belief that I am the center of the universe to the understanding that the world is a lot bigger than me. One of my nephews, when he was two to three years old, would arrive at my parents' house. And as he came through the front door, he would declare, I'm here! And then he'd wait for all of us to come running, which we usually did. Well, what's normal for a two to three-year-old? It's a bit of a problem when we get a little older. Yet there are signs that many of us find it difficult, maybe all of us find it difficult to grow up. I can't, of course, talk about narcissism without mentioning the selfie. Now, selfies aren't, by definition, narcissistic, but I think there's a significant tendency in that direction. We need only mention what happened in Costa Rica this past month. Crowds of tourists were so busy taking selfies with the sea turtles who were trying to lay their eggs, the sea turtles are a protected species, that the turtles turned back into the ocean and didn't lay their eggs. That's Self-focus is more than a little strange. They don't even think about these turtles who's, they're getting in the way of. Well, another sign that we struggle with this self-focus is that one of the most rapidly growing religions today is the religion of those who are spiritual but not religious. That's the perfect religion for the narcissist because it affirms our right to choose the god or gods who fit with who we are. And that brings us to Genesis. The passage that David read for us. The declaration that human beings have been made in the image of God. In the church and actually in the world as well, we have a long and troubled history 
of reading this passage as a declaration of our uniqueness and importance, somehow forgetting that the story and the focus of the story is actually about God. That we are made in the image of God has been understood to say something about us. There is something about us that is God-like. And that's all we've needed to forget about God altogether and focus instead on how wonderful we are. Imagine a gallery opening for an exceptionally gifted artist. The crowds wandering through the gallery are talking about the extraordinary vibrancy of the paintings, the evocative images, the amazing use of color in the paintings. After the closing of the gallery for the evening, the paintings start talking amongst themselves, delighting in how amazing they are, how wonderfully unique their natural beauty. Eventually, they start to get into arguments over who is the most magnificent, the most irreplaceable. They've lost sight of what they are. They've lost sight of their creator. Ludicrous, isn't it? We live in a beautiful world. But the results of our self-preoccupation is a hopelessly distorted understanding of the world, of God, and of ourselves. All the consequences that go with that cause us endless pain cause others endless pain. Part of God's grace towards us in Jesus Christ, the one who is the true image of God, is that he wants to heal us. He wants to liberate us from our narrow little worlds of self-preoccupation. He wants to allow us to enter into the extraordinary world that he has created, that he sustains, and that he continues to guide towards the purposes that he has for it. I think one of the most practical ways for us to counter our natural tendency towards self-preoccupation, when we're preaching or teaching or even just reading the Bible, is to always begin with the question, what does this say about God? Instead of the question that we almost always begin with, which is, what does it say about us? When we read the creation story, asking what does it say about God, we hear that God has created a world that is amazingly complex and beautiful and good. It affirms that God works in the world and with the world, and it points towards God's intentions for the world. The story of creation does not focus on the uniqueness of human beings, but the gracious, generous, and intentional work of God. God didn't create human beings after the seven days of creation. He created us as part of creation. Our place is within creation, not above. And Psalm 8, I think, says it so clearly. What are women and men? That you are mindful of them. They're mortals, flesh and blood, like the rest of creation. But you, you, God, have made them a little lower than yourself a little lower than the angels, and you've crowned them with glory and honor. We have a special place. The passage is very clear. We have been given a particular role in relationship to the rest of the world. 
But it's not because of who we are. It's because of who God is. And because of what God wants to do in the world. And I think that helps us begin to see things in the right order. The world doesn't revolve around me. It revolved around God. Thanks be to God. And as painful as that recognition might be for a child who has yet to grow up, for an adult, it is a great relief. It's a relief because it allows us to begin to understand the way things actually are in the world. Becoming a Christian does not mean that God is now on my side, but that I am now on God's side. Rather than hoping and praying that God will come alongside of us and help us in what we want to do in the world, we're invited to be a part of what God is doing in the world. What are women and men that you are mindful of them? You have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth.